we can probably provide you some hardware. It needs all the things. Give it all the things. Oh, perfect. You nailed it. You can't bend physics. What you can do is write better software. And you're doing the MPLS changes or BDP changes. May, may God be with you, right? I, I always feel like I'm just a little fish in a sea of big fish. I've got a nested six-node VSAN. Aw, guys. People you know, quite often think that they don't have anything to bring to the table when they absolutely do. Everybody should. Anybody in IT that skips the phone stuff, it just hasn't earned it. Okay, I lied. I have one more question. On demand. Correct. Welcome to GigaCast episode 49 for Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. Live to tape from somewhere in Indiana. I am Britton Johnson. And live from my home lab, I'm Tony Reeves. I gotta get the music down so I can hear you. Can't hear me. I'm I'm rust I'm getting rusty at this this podcast. Should be getting business. better. We're getting back doing, into a rhythm. I'm doing here. more. <laughs> I know. I've got. I somebody asked me internally the other day. They're like, "Hey, you like you do stuff and you produce stuff. Like, how how does that work?" And I'm like, "I have no idea. Like, just don't, don't even <laughs> like." Like, how do we you just do that, it? How do you get all that approved? And I'm like, well, like, yeah, I don't ask for permission first of all. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm no kidding. Like, like, I own this. Nobody else owns this. This so, is a non-VMware podcast. Yeah. Well, so we're, we're and, and and on that note, we're going to talk about VMware today. It's amazing. It's amazing. Ooh. You know, it's really it's one of these things of like when you know people in the biz, um, you, you or when you're just, related to them, or when, or when you're related that too, you know things come up that you need to talk about occasionally and learn more about. And, um, we had a, a last minute guest swap happen. So we are here today keeping things all in the family. My, 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 my big brother, Heath is back on the show. So welcome back. Hey guys. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a, while. It's been a little bit. Yeah. I used to joke that I used to run into you and talk to you more at work events than I did family things. So it's still, it was, true. Yeah, that was the case, especially when we were traveling more. But um, I, I still remember the last shocker episode we had where people were pinging us saying, "Hey, I didn't know he's in Britain." Oh, that happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. The the latest the latest one was I was out in Palo Alto for our uh, NSX um, tra- training stuff. I think NSX public, as far as the naming is concerned, what it is is not public yet. So I won't, I won't, I won't get into the details of that. But I was there and we were at this like dinner event thing in the, on campus, kind of a mixer. And uh, Gabe Rosas, he's, he's the HCX product manager. He saw me from across the room and waved at me. And then after a little bit, I went and went over and talked to him. And he's just like, he's like, hey, like, I got to tell you, I, I, I like when I first saw you, I'm like, what is Heath doing here? And then, he, and then, he's, and then he's like, I think Heath lost some weight. He looks good. And then he's like, oh, wait a second. That's not Heath. That's Britain. <laughs> yes. Oh, thanks, Gabe. Thanks yeah. for that. Yeah. So like that's that's your subtle subtle reminder to you know get back in shape, <laughs> right? Exactly. Wow, brotherly love. Yeah, but you know, G- Gabe Gabe can talk though because he's like an ultra marathoner with his kids yeah. in a stroller. So yeah, he's he's amazing. He's inspiring to watch. Yeah, so. he's a, he's he's a little guy though. He's 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 like you know I don't know if he's like five foot one or something, but he's yeah, he's he's, like he's small but mighty. I mean, he's a powerful guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, he uh, he even makes fun of his own height. We, uh, me and Kevin, had him speaking at a VM World in the past. Right, we're doing a large audience of several hundred people, and we introduced him from the front. And he was way at the back, and he grabs the mic and says, "Just give me a minute while I get up the front, so you can see me above all the chairs." <laughs> right, <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah, nice. we we love we love Gabe though. He's he's a regular on my other uh, podcast, which is the closest thing I get to a VMware a VMware sponsored podcast is the HDX Majors, where it's all about HDX his product. Um, so he's he's on there all the time telling me what's the latest and greatest of things. So I got to be nice to Gabe. So uh, where let's see here. This is where you need to have that. What would you say you do here? Clip? Yeah, and well, yeah, that changes all the time with everything. So, like, so yeah, what's you've gone through a few product transitions, Heath. So, what what is the latest? Uh, you're still in the same team, right? Correct. Still in tech marketing. Yeah, but you 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 change. You guys tend to change socks quite a bit in terms of yeah, what you're working it happens. on. So. so just to scroll back or roll back a little bit for your audience, um, I've been at VMware. It's actually going to be eight years this month. Wow. Um, and so I started out as a uh, TAM, right? A technical account manager. And then was, did that for about a year and a half and then rolled over to tech marketing. This has really been my favorite role um, because uh, I got into with the early stages of VMware Cloud Foundation and doing tech marketing for that. So when it first came out before it was actually a major product, um, I got on early with that. And then uh, I've been doing tech marketing for VCF for the last five years. And I've always kept a foot in that camp, right? But also been uh, tied to other products the last couple of years. So uh, I did a you know, six or nine month stint uh, doing tech marketing for a product called VMware Cloud on Dell. Um, and that one had recently just gone end of sale for various reasons. Um, but then after that, I got tagged to do tech marketing for VMware Cloud on Equinix Metal. And so that's been my latest thing. And at the same time, I still do some tech marketing stuff for VMware Cloud Foundation, which uh, the Cloud Foundation front, we just published our Holodeck Labs. And um, so we can dive into Holodeck a little bit and talk about what that is, uh, if you guys are interested in that. Yeah, give us some uh, some insight onto what that is for people that may not know about it. All right. So the Holodeck Toolkit, if you go out to, and I guess sent you guys a link here on the uh, the Zoom so you can take a look at the webpage. You go out to core.vmware.com. And if you look at uh, VCF product there, there's a link to the Holodeck Toolkit. And so what this is, uh, people have probably heard me and others, various people talk about the VMware Cloud Foundation Lab Constructor, right? So that's a script, a PowerShell script that can do a fully automated deployment of VMware Cloud Foundation on a single host, right? Take a single host and deploy the entire uh, VMware Cloud Foundation uh, software package. What the Holodeck Toolkit does actually takes it another step further. So there's always a few components that were missing for people when they try and deploy VLC. You need some hardware to deploy it on. You also need a jump host, 
Um, and so you need to have all the different pieces of software that go with that. And so there's things like specifics, like you need power CLI installed on your jump post and you need uh, a certain version of PowerShell and you need certain different components uh, to be able to deploy the VL VMware Cloud Foundation uh, lab constructor, the VLC. And so we've actually built uh, a handful of additional scripts now that go along with the VLC and we're kind of and putting this together into the holodeck toolkit. And so this is a harkens back to, of course, Star Trek, the holodeck, right? Being able to create your own imaginary environment. And so that's exactly what this is. So some of the new scripts that are included with it allow you to automatically deploy that jump host, right? So it fully deploys Windows, the Windows jump host, and all the software components that you need in order to deploy uh, the VMware lab constructor, the VMware Cloud Foundation lab constructor. And then it goes deeper from there. So once you've got this lab built and you've deployed VMware Cloud Foundation lab constructor, then we've actually added things that make it uh, more interesting because you're like, okay, cool. I got this lab. What else can I do with it? So now we've got full instructions. And if you look on the guides there, there's an, an overview, how to implement what all the different software components to download and install. But then we go into lab guides and we actually walk you through full instruction labs on how to do things within NSX, how to do uh, some labs within uh, ESXi, how to do some uh, various different uh, vRealize suite components. Um, and there's even a lab guide. I don't know if they published it yet. I think we're still uh, making some final tweaks, but we're even doing a lab guide for deploying and installing HDX across multiple sites, right? So I actually wrote a script that does a fully automated HDX deployment across multiple sites. And then we have a lab guide that goes with it for how to do migrations, how to move VMs. Um, so not only does the, the, the new script actually deploy an entire environment, it actually walks you through every step of using this and what it would look like operationally inside your environment. So I have some experience with VLC in the past. Uh, I deployed uh, full VLC in my home lab back in 2019 with Ben Sire's help. So how does this differ from a, obviously it's, you said it's going more in depth. It's giving you additional labs and capabilities, but the automation, is it a little simpler to install and use or? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So there was always a few sticky components of like, oh, in order to stand this up, I need a router, right? Yeah. And that was always a complex part to try and figure out how to deploy a software router so that you could do uh, some advanced routing to get like network connectivity to the internet and stuff like that. So part of our scripts actually deploy a router that we've, uh, developed out of a Photon VM, right? And actually we deploy the Photon VM, configure it as a router, actually make it route traffic correctly within this software-defined nested lab environment. Um, and this whole thing, you follow all the instructions for how to deploy this from very the beginning to end. Um, you get a fully working VMware Cloud Foundation nested lab environment and then lab guides to go with it to actually do operational tasks and get a full... Uh, understanding of how this works in inside a production environment. Okay. And then the the introducing Holodeck Toolkit page shows minimum hardware is two socket 16 cores, 384 gig of RAM, and three and a half terabytes of SSD disk. 
Yeah. And that's really, you know, we say that's the minimum. That's mostly yeah. because it's, you know, we're installing every piece of software, ESXi, a yeah. full cluster, right? So we're deploying f- typically four nodes in there, um, the vCenter, the NSX manager, we're, then we can then layer on top of that things like the VRLIZE suite components. We can deploy HCX managers. We can deploy, when you start adding up all the different software components that get deployed inside there, you can see how it eats up all that RAM. And then you're going to want the fastest SSDs you can get your hands on, right? Because this is a lot of nested virtual machines uh, oh, yeah. running inside this. Yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was no small feat getting the VLC to run itself. I mean, I, right. I, did, I did something similar where I, on one of my rented OVH hosts back in the day, and I, just, I partially used it for my blog that I had out there for a little while on how to do that. Um, and yeah, it, it's it it, it 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 was a process to stand alone. It's interesting now that you're taking on the the Windows components of it as well. Yeah. And because, you know, I think Im- embedded in some of that stuff or no, it was built it, in one of those appliances. They had even the DNS components pre-baked yes. in there. Yes, so, that's exactly right. So all the DNS is all configured. Every piece yeah. that you need to get this lab working, if you follow these instructions step by step, you'll be able to deploy it and it works. I mean, you guys have had this issue before, right? You've seen some scripts from somebody published on their blog and they're like, hey, I made this and it works and blah, blah. And then you download it and try it and realize they've, works. they've tweaked errors. it to rely yeah. on their own private DNS or they've tweaked yeah. it for this or that. This actually, we've taken into every consideration of um, all those different dependencies and make sure that they're included in the deployment so that you can grab this entire toolkit and follow the instructions from beginning to end and it will work well that that's always been my beef with every script that i've ever downloaded is every time i try to do something in powershell it takes me a day or two to figure out how to make the script do what it's supposed to do and then by the within usually within that time frame if i just did the work manually i'd be done (laughs) right exactly yeah and it's pretty cool i mean the 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 capability we have of actually creating this customized windows jump host right so it deploys power cli on it and the powershell components uh we even install a custom background and give you the you know the WinZip tools or whatever you need it's all in there and we show you how to make this custom built iso so that you can just boot this thing up nested and you get a perfect jump host that works with these components that you need I'm assuming this is even the consolidated minimum hardware for one environment is going to be um, a single host needs to have at least that 384 gig RAM. You can't split this across multiple hosts. You can actually deploy this across a cluster, right? So if you're doing, yeah, yeah. If you do, uh, want to do a cluster deployment of this, absolutely it'll work. Unfortunately, my lab's a little small for that. I've got 384 total. It's tough to keep up on physical, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be able to run anything else. I mean, See, that's where like when, when, when yeah when, when i did it i had to fake it and give each virtual host that i was doing this on overcommit overcommit right you know, yeah on the ram especially and then all of a sudden the services would load and then it would work so it's I try it yeah like that, that and that's like even for today like the stuff i'm doing now for deploying our uh, nsx application platform which is a container-based you know, Kubernetes backend that we end up script deploying 
it, even even on that when I'm deploying that in my lab now, it's it, it's the same basic process where I have to overcommit the RAM on a bunch of nested hosts, and then I can make it happen. Okay. Yeah, yeah I can so, I can try it. Yeah, so critical. give this a shot now. If we've got right, you guys are internal VMware staff, right? So if you yep. guys have customers, or if there's customers listening to this, and you're like, "Hey, I'd like to try VCF," right? I would, I'm interested in this. If you've got lab gear, you can try this all on your own. Or if you reach out to your uh, VMware sales rep, we can probably provide you some hardware, right? So we're working closely with the sales uh, staff internally, and we've got access to gear to walk you through this and deploy this and actually walk you through all the uh, the labs that are included in this. So you can see from a customer perspective what it's like to use and operationalize against VMware Cloud Foundation. Say that again. So... You said something about hardware. What What is that now? Right. So if you need the gear, right, that's kind of the big thing here. Tony's like, I don't know if I got enough RAM to do this. Yeah. We can provide the gear for you. Okay. But so talk then, to your VMware sales rep. But right? so then the question is, how are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So we have cloud capacity, right? We're a cloud, multi-cloud company. So we'll get you some capacity, whether that's internal or we'll be leveraging some sort of a third-party cloud. We've got cloud capacity that can help you uh, connect remotely to this. It's not going to be in your building, right? This is yeah. going to be some cloud capacity somewhere, but we'll, we have these stood up. We actually have some of these stood up and handed off to partners, Right. So some of our larger partners like I had IT or she or some of these other ones, they're actually working with us and have this. They're deploying this and walking customers through the labs of operationalizing VCF using vRealize uh, suite products with VCF, seeing how that works, testing out NSX firewall rules and testing also all the advanced NSX stuff inside uh, VMware Cloud Foundation. Conversation for off an offline conversation, but you, you just bring up some points that does that mean that us employees internally could deploy this on our internal cloud resources? And if you've out? got enough capacity to do this, you absolutely could, right? If you've got yeah. access There's to lab gear and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, if you're internal staff and you're like, I got a customer that would actually like to see VCF, come talk to us, right? In, in VMware Cloud Foundation Tech Marketing, um, we've got capacity and we've got a lot of people interested in it. Um, and you guys will be at Explore, right? That's correct. So we have, we'll have, I think they're going to show some of this at the, at the uh, uh, booth on top okay. of that. I believe if I remember correctly, uh, I could be mistaken, but I think we're actually doing a talk on using Holodeck there as well. So uh, take a look in the uh, scheduler. Yeah. in the scheduler, I think there is somebody on my team that's actually talking about Holodeck. Uh, if I remember correctly. So, awesome. So anybody going to explore, look the tech marketing folks up. And if you're interested in this hollow toolkit and uh, testing it out. Yeah. And this is, again, this is basically every product in one giant nested lab. Right. So fully, fully configured and ready to go. SDDC. Exactly. So have you, have you guys figured out baking in the NSX application platform stuff yet into VCF or is that still kind of in development? I think we're just doing the basic VCF or NSX deployments inside uh, VCF. So whatever comes with uh, VCF native, right? 
Uh, yeah. I don't think we've done any of the add-on components yet for NSX. Because I, um, I, wa- I I walked Kyle through some of the you know because when I, when I when I was first trying to get it running in my lab, I was having all kinds of Tanzu Kubernetes problems, and so it, sure. so you're like go go talk to Kyle. So I talked to Kyle and Kyle Gleed, and he he got on with me for like. I don't know. I think I worked with him for like four hours across a couple of days, just doing some basic troubleshooting stuff. And he just like the guy's amazing at, at how oh, yeah. he, how he works on this stuff. And like he because he, he hadn't seen any of the apl- NSX application platform stuff yet, and how we're implementing it and all that. Um, so it was all kind of news to him. And so you know he he was interested in that piece of it. And I'm like you know if you guys figure out how to you know include this thing in there at some point which i'm sure somebody somewhere is um, right you know that's that's kind of the next step for us in terms of deploying absolutely all those advanced features and stuff when a customer has it on top of ecf because you know it's there's really two ways that, that we're going forward with deploying all that advanced threat prevention stuff the the first way is on-prem with the NSX application platform, and that's either going to be a standalone deployment or inside VCF, or all the future stuff, which you'll hear about more at Explore. Right. Yep. Yeah, so as those products come out and we start, we're, we're of course, going to just keep layering on to this Holodeck toolkit, right? We're seeing this as a valuable tool for our customers and partners and everybody else uh, to be able to get hands-on experience with VCF without messing with a production environment, right? Um, Customers love the ability to just go try stuff out and not worry about breaking it because you can just delete everything and hit the scripts again and redeploy within a few hours. Um, So if you break anything, you're not hurting anything. So a lot of value in this, a lot of fun and be able to use that Star Trek theme, right? Holodeck, right? Create your imaginary scenario and deploy the entire software-defined infrastructure. I mean, it looks like, uh, I mean, obviously you guys are probably working a lot on the back end to keep this updated too, because this is a 2.0 release already here. Yes, yes. And you're on VCF 5.x. Exactly. And if you start scrolling through, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of pages of lab guides and documentation on walking through all of the steps to get this deployed. So ton of work from my entire team. Um, and the core of this, this is the VMware Cloud Foundation Lab Constructor. It goes back to our friend, Ben Sire, right? Mm-hmm. He created this from the beginning, and this is just kind of a, uh, a continuation and outreach of being able to use that original script that he's created. And he's still massaging and building and continuing to, to improve on that script. He'd be a, a great resource for you guys to have on this podcast at some point if you can talk him into it. Um, but credit goes to him for this is his original core uh, when, when it comes down to it, the, the VMware Cloud Foundation Lab Constructor. And do you guys still have that separate uh, Slack that oh, yeah. folks that, are so, that can join? Exactly. And so if, you, if you're like, hey, I want to deploy some of my lab and you want support, right? You need yeah. some help. There's an entire Slack community uh, that you can join. It's open to the public. It's not tied to like a VMware Slack or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's actually a VMware Cloud Foundation Lab Constructor Slack channel. Um, and you can go out there and we have people asking questions all the time and everybody from my team is on there answering questions, walking people through it. And we've got a lot of people out there at this point in time. Um, I haven't looked at the numbers lately. Uh, do you know how folks can join that Slack if they're interested? 
Um, let's see, see if I have a link. I'll give, I'll give Britton a link. He can drop it in show notes or I don't know. Sure. How you guys do this for the podcast. Yeah. I can attach it to the episode, but it's from what I recall, basically you just have there's a form. I think you have to fill out and then Ben adds you to it or something like that. So it's It's actually, it's actually pretty well wide open. So I'll make sure that, uh, you get the link and then we get it posted in the show notes. So awesome. So we're coming about on about halfway through our time here. Did you want to dive into anything else with this or did you want to move on to your. Yeah, let's go topic? into the the next thing, right? I was, like I said, I've got my foot in both camps. I'm doing the, yeah. uh, the, the cloud foundation lab constructor and the HDX stuff over there. Uh, on top of that, I'm also responsible for doing all of tech marketing for our new offering VMware cloud on Equinix metal. Um, and so, there's a lot of our customers out that are familiar with Equinix, right? They're a digital infrastructure company around the globe, um, typically known for being a colo and for providing uh, infrastructure services. Uh, so when I say infrastructure services, they are really well known and their main bread and butter is network infrastructure. So when you need network connectivity between two sites, um, these are probably the guys you're going to want to talk to. So they are awesome at being able to connect uh, colo infrastructure around the globe. Um, in fact, uh, some of the stuff that uh, they've been showing me, they have the ability to. So if you put an app inside one of their colo data centers, they have the, they claim they have the ability to actually have connectivity to within 10 milliseconds to 80 percent of the entire world's population, which wow. is pretty impressive. Right. And they can, they even say, they uh, told me the other day, it was something like 20 milliseconds to 100% of the world's population. So if you think about that capability, have ultra low latency. So being able to deploy your applications on their infrastructure and their network is pretty powerful to be able to get you around the globe very, very quickly. Do they have their own... Do they, do they have their own like fiber lines under sea that like Amazon does in that kind of space or they or they have some, they must have some kind of connectivity backbone globally then. Yeah, they do have made, they, I believe, I don't quote me on this for sure. Cause I, I haven't gotten into that who owns this, right. But they have network connectivity around the globe. I believe they own their own infrastructure. I believe that's the case. Um, but uh they have massive amount of network connectivity around the globe to be able to do uh, connect infrastructure so it's like one of the things they told me was uh like one of their major use cases was uh companies that do stock trading right you need that microsecond latency speeds uh to be able to do stock trades and actually make them timely because those microseconds can make a major difference and when you're selling stocks right huge and so this is who stock companies go to when they need network speeds that are that fast you know it's so it's that, funny like you so I, I read a few years ago the the book uh, Flash Boys by Michael Lewis. He's the guy who writes all of the Wall Street, you know, uh, memoir books about interesting times like during the 2008 financial crisis and, you know, the, the big short and all that. Um, the, the, the Flash Boys book is all about these guys who built this uh, across the country fiber optic network specifically for flash trading and but by the end of the book what they figured out is yeah as at one point um they in order to like level out the speeds between a local 
uh, point of presence than some somebody on the other side of the country. They had to to run all these cable through like just a giant spool of fiber, like miles and miles and miles of fiber sitting at a data center in a spool, just just to, just to level the playing field. Because I think that at some point, the the SEC or somebody put in some regulations to say like you cannot operate this network because you're at an added distinct advantage and it causes problems within the financial system. <laughs> and so like we're getting into like the whole securities and exchange and how they kind of manage networking now is really interesting stuff. Um, and then there was these other people who stood up a tower to tower wireless network from Chicago to New York city. And they found out after building that, that it's actually only a few milliseconds slower than the fiber. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's, that's impressive. Crazy. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, that, that huge fiber network we built from Chicago to New York. Yeah, we didn't actually have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So a few years back, right, Equinox bought a company and I think it's called, acquired a company called, I think it's called Packet, right? And this company allowed them to deploy uh, software on bare metal, right? So this kind of cool, be able to turn on a bare metal host inside their one of their colo data centers and actually deploy an operating system or a hypervisor or something on top of that. Um, and so that's what we're leveraging for this solution. Last year at Barcelona, we announced VMware Cloud on Equinix Metal. And so if you're familiar with uh, VMware Cloud on AWS or VMware Cloud on Dell, uh, or any of the other VMware cloud solutions that we have, this is an add-on to that, right? So this is another solution where we're deploying the entire software-defined, uh, the the entire software-defined infrastructure components. So vSphere, vSAN, NSX, um, and the, we're deploying it on bare metal at Equinix. So you're going to be able to go to as a customer, be able to go to uh, Equinix site, purchase bare metal colo capacity from them. And then you come over to the VMware site and purchase your VMC software solution. Um, you give us the, the way this is going to work is pretty slick. So you're purchasing from two different parts, right? Hardware from them, software from us. You come to our site with the keys, right? You're going to get a software token from Equinix that says, here's how you can access it. And that software token allows us to use an API to connect to their API and deploy the entire software stack on bare metal. So within a few hours of you purchasing hardware from them and software license from us, we're going to do a fully automated deployment of the entire VMC SCDC on Equinix in the colo that you choose. Interesting. Yeah. Now they've got um, metro locations around the globe. Uh, they're currently advertising uh, 25 metros. This is still in its infancy for us. We're in the still in the middle of development. Um, in fact, at this point, we're doing in the middle of uh, the early access program. So we actually have a handful of customers trying this in uh, our Silicon Valley and Equinix's Silicon Valley uh, metro location. So they've actually gone through the process of deploying a handful of hosts and they're trying out the software and the hardware solution at Equinix at this point in time. So is this technically in the initial availability stage or is this not? No, this is the, this is not IA yet. This is the uh, early access program. Okay. Availability. okay. Right. It's like so, almost like tech preview kind of stuff. It really is tech preview. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. so this, I noticed this has the same, VMware cloud branding that we're giving a lot of our other partnerships with other hyperscalers. So this is yep. a similar offering along those lines. That's another option for customers, right? 
Yep. So go out to the VMware cloud uh, website and you can order the software stack from us, right? And it deploys that cloud train of software, right? vSphere, vSAN, NSX, um, and has all the full capabilities of all those products sitting on top of Equinix's hardware inside their data centers. Um, and so the, the unique value add to this, right, compared to some of the other providers, uh, you take a look at VMware Cloud on AWS, for instance, right? They're in uh, an East Coast or a West Coast. Uh, VMware Cloud on AWS has a handful of large data centers around the globe. Equinix has, if you take a look at their infrastructure and their maps, they have data centers all over the place. And so this is where they're claimed to being able to get you to within 10 milliseconds of 80% of the world's population. The goal for this solution is to actually deploy this in colos all over the place, right? So if you need a handful of hosts, this is going to get your applications and get you VMware cloud infrastructure at the edge, right? Being able to deploy in a metro near your customers where you need it. Um, so then you can have what we call a distributed cloud, right? Uh, if you think about the multi-cloud, but also, you know, multi-cloud is leveraging multiple cloud and hyperscalers and service providers and solutions. This is more of a distributed cloud and actually branching out and having lots of little clouds all over the place. Right. We're, so we're, as can. long as we don't use the fog computing term, I'm okay with it. Ooh, I have not heard fog yet. That's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this, yeah, exactly. So you can't <laughs> see anything anymore. That would be good, right? We don't need that single bean of glass getting all fogged oh, up. Yeah. The marketing. Uh, I, I think the idea for fog computing was basically almost like the, you know, folding at home stuff where like everybody's got their little tiny computer at home doing something. And so oh, it was like, just like, it was like ultra distributed, but like micro distributed. Huh. Yeah, that would be interesting. But yeah, no, this is not that. This is, but this gets you again. If you think about all the different or look at all the different metros where this could be deployed for Equinix, um, this gets you right down to that last mile edge. Um, one of the use cases I like to talk about is uh, you take a look at retail stores around the, the the world, right? Where they typically a lot of retail stores still have servers inside every single store, and you think about how many stores they've got right this could be things like uh starbucks i mean whether they have like two thousand stores or more across the united states or the globe uh and to actually put servers and then again redundancy of those servers in every store that's crazy it's an astronomical amount of uh hardware they're purchasing and maintaining in store same goes for things like um uh, larger retail stores like uh, like a Walmart or a Target or any of these other stores, um, they have servers in stores to actually run uh, inventory and run uh, security cameras and run points of sale and all these different components. What if for all these different types of retail, they didn't have to have uh, servers in store anymore because the latency issue goes away. You can actually connect to a cloud that's in a metro near them, right? Within 10 milliseconds, that gets these stores the ability to actually leverage more consolidation of hardware into a nearby cloud infrastructure uh, inside of a colo uh, location. I, I could see that working for maybe certain lines of business, but like I remember this is going way back now, though, but I think it's probably like 2012, uh, might have been even earlier than that. Tar Target had a problem once. 
where they couldn't like the entire thing couldn't process credit cards. This was before right. the target. This is before the breach of Target's yeah. credit card system. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe this is what caused the breach of the credit card system at Target. But like uh, they had like a day where like they couldn't complete or tra- any transactions whatsoever because they had some sort of a distributed system that was managing all of their credit card transactions. But not, I, I think because of that, a lot of those retail establishments still maintain those policies of having that kind of stuff on site as much as possible because they effectively lost, you know, days and days, you know, or just unbelievable amounts of revenue because they couldn't process cards. So right. I, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine, like, especially for healthcare where I sit today, I can't imagine them ever getting rid of stuff because, you know, if, if you can't buy your lettuce, you know, a target or a shirt, you know, nobody's going to die from that. But, you know, when you've got somebody laying on a table and they need, you know, their, their anesthesiologist to, to administer stuff, which has to happen from an electronic medical record system because nobody processes medical records on paper anymore. Um, it, it's a different story. So I, I would be curious to see how widely deployed that, that methodology gets from a customer perspective. I get what you're saying. I've also been intrigued with conversations I've had with uh, healthcare that I've worked for in the past, right? And some of those conversations I've had recently say they're telling me that they they don't actually plan to own a data center anymore. Um, that, well, I see, yeah, I see, I see a right? lot of that too. Yeah. So I, I see them all leaning towards and leveraging cloud because it's expensive to maintain those data center facilities yeah. and generators and have all power and cooling. Yeah, power and cooling. I mean, I remember being a, a, a vSphere admin at a hospital and oh, always just regretting the night I had to go drive to the data center to go test the generator, right, for the data center. Oh, yeah. to do that every month. It was just a pain. And nobody wants to do that. They just want to run their applications. Um, and so I see a lot of companies leaning towards or leaning into cloud, right? And so if we can get those clouds, the capacity they need closer to those clinics, um, and then for them, it's just a matter of leveraging multiple internet service providers, whether that's two landlines plus a wireless, like you're t- talking about, right? To make sure that they can continue operations when network connections get cut through digging or whatever it is, um, leveraging multiple solutions. I mean, you and I have all, we've all seen uh, really interesting use cases for LTE solutions, right? in you know servers being deployed in gas pumps now right and uh yeah, leveraging a LTE, stuff yeah a lot of lot of lte networks right cellular networks uh, providing network connectivity to uh solutions and so uh i i see us uh, moving that direction away from private clouds and leveraging the consolidation of clouds into colos like this don't don't get me started on the gas pumps because there's there's a BP station just open near my house and they have this like 27 inch touchscreen on the thing. And wow. It, it's that's huge. Yeah. It's, it's Matt. It's the worst, it's the worst <laughs> gas pump I've ever seen in my life because you can't do anything on the pump without in, interacting with this stupid touchscreen. And it takes you like, if you've never used it before, like first time I stopped there and I'm never, I, I, I never try to stop there anymore. Cause it's horrible. It's a horrible experience. You go up to the pump. You're just trying to get gas and go. You have to touch all this stuff on the screen. You have to pick your your grade of gas on the screen. And oh, wow, yeah. And like when you, when you first start, and when it first finally starts pumping, then it starts playing this extremely loud music. 
I hate that. And there is a vol- and ad. It's an ad platform. It's an ad platform too, usually. And like there is a volume down button, but it's in the farthest corner of the screen. So when you're standing on the other side of the pump on your car, it's really hard to reach over and turn the volume down on the screen. Sure, that's by design. It's horrible. And so like, and everybody, I, I pulled up the Google reviews for this gas station. Everybody hates it. <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounds like that's a gas pump. That's a almost like the Coke freestyle machine, right? Oh yeah, and those are horrible too. Create, yeah. create your own mix of uh, of fuel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's all terrible too. But looking at this Metro connect, I mean, it looks like they've got service up to a hundred gig port speeds in select markets. Yes. And I'm guessing you can be very geo diverse. Yeah. So multi-site. One of their things that Equinix provides, that's kind of interesting that they showed us. Um, And I'll be talking more about this in extreme detail. I've got a couple sessions at explore this year uh, coming up. Go ahead and plug them. Yeah. So come to those sessions, look up the Equinox metal solution. I've got one in hands-on lab. Um, it's act, they're actually doing, we're doing some sort of uh, theater presentations there. So come find me in hands-on lab. I'm doing a theater presentation at uh, one o'clock on Monday morning. Right. So the, the first day of explore, come find me in hands-on lab. Uh, I think it's in theater one. Um, and I'm going to do a deep dive into this. It's the, the one deep technical session I get to do. And I get to speak all by myself for 30 minutes. So I'm going to shove in as much technical content as possible. But, and that's one o'clock in the afternoon. Not in the one, afternoon, not, not, not one, one o'clock. Not, right. Yeah. Not 1 a.m. <laughs> right. Exactly. It is, Vegas, it, yeah, it, it, is. It, is, it is Vegas, but people are still going to need some sleep. No, yeah. That's when, that's when Vegas starts to wake up. That's why we call it morning. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll be speaking then. And then we also have another session, uh, that I'm sharing with, uh, one of my coworkers in product marketing. That's going to be towards the end of the week on Thursday. I think it's at 11. Um, so if that's after the party, so if you're uh, still cohesive and capable of working, come see us for that one after the party. Um, but one of the interesting things about Equinix, so they've shown us a map of, uh, like a metro where they have their data centers, right? And they have, they own multiple buildings in a data data center area. (laughs) Right next door is AWS and Google and SAP and Oracle. Literally on this, if you look on satellite view, their their claim is, look, we can hit golf balls from our Equinox building onto AWS or Google or Azure, all these different hyperscalers. So they're using all the same carrier hotels. (laughs) Exactly. So they're actually sub millisecond latency away. So if you have a multi-cloud application that uses, say, an S3 bucket, you can run your app inside Equinix and then connect to that S3 bucket super fast, right? Hmm. It's in the building right next door. Um, So their capability to actually leverage the multi-cloud experience that our customers are using is super powerful because they're all right next door and they get reduced uh, egress and ingress fees across those because they own private connectivity lines uh, that they've paid a dedicated port fee to get over to AWS, right? So they're they're buying that whole trunk of say 100 gigs straight over to, uh, to Amazon. Um, and then they share you or sell you a slice of that. So they have something that they call Equinex Fabric. And um, the, when I saw this presented to me, I was like, oh, this is interesting. So this is you buy a, a physical cable port that connects to their Equinex Fabric. Outside of leaving that Equinex Fabric is software-defined networking 
to all the hyperscalers. Um, so they can actually have API uh, connections spun up. So if you need a direct connect from your Equinix Colo over to AWS, say you're doing a backup solution of some kind, you need to backup something to an S3 bucket in Amazon. You can make an API call and do an Equinix uh, connection from the, your Colo over to the S3 bucket, do the backup, and then tear it down. Uh, you think about the the security behind being able to do something like that, where the connection only exists while your application is using it, uh, because it's software-defined networking across their physical cable plant. Uh, pretty powerful stuff. So it's kind of like software-defined networking for an entire colo uh, that they have capability with. So a lot of... I'm just trying to figure out how they license that and how they put that all together because like it's it's no small feat standing up, you know, a direct connect to AWS or an express route to Azure or uh-huh. any of these things like all of those things typically require a one-to-one agreement between the the customer and the hyperscaler. Like it's not something that you just flip a switch and do. Like there's right. mo- there's monthly fees involved and all that stuff, and so like, um, and enter e- and, and egress fees and all there's all kinds of stuff that's happening there. So right. that, that, I'm curious how they're. And there's Britain's contractors working yeah. on his house. <laughs> they still getting rid of your ants, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You've been cut off. <laughs> we need to land this plane anyway. That's yeah. Sorry. Interesting. Sorry. Just too much noise. <laughs> Right. That was the first we heard it, though. It is. That's the first. He's got the roto zip going. It sounds like we're cutting sheetrock <laughs> right now live. I think it's one. I think it's one of those new like vibrating multi tools. Those things are amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah those oh, are pretty yeah. slick. Oscillating. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's get out of here. We got to go anyway. So, um, Heath, thanks for the time and the information. As always, this has been helpful, and um, I'm excited to see how all this stuff is working and uh, get get more information and explore for all this stuff. Yeah, so if uh, anybody wants to talk about any of this, come find me at Explore. I'll be at the booth uh, in the second half of uh, booth hours, right? So you'll find me at the VMware Cloud on Equinix Metal Explore booth in uh, VMware for the second half of the hours that it's open, right? We do two shifts for VMware employees there. So I'll be on the second half every day um, and possibly even more. But uh, find me there. Find them at 1 a.m. Yeah, you might find me at 1 a.m. Who knows? but uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys and catching up uh, in person and not over Zoom. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Heath, and we're gonna we're gonna have a good time at Explore. All three of us, thankfully, will be there. I'll be doing some filming. You'll be doing booth duty and and sessions. And Britain has sessions as well. So, looking forward to seeing some of our listeners, hopefully, out at Explore as well. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you in about a week and a half. All right. Sounds good. <laughs>